This is games in schools and libraries. The podcast about board, card and digital games and the ways in which they can find a place in schools or at the local library. Hosting provided by the Games for Educators website www.g4ed.com Welcome to Games in Schools and Libraries. My name is Giles Pritchard. I'm a teacher at St George's Road Primary School in Shepparton, Australia. I use games in my 3-4 classroom as well as for our games club, our games days and many other purposes. Uh, you can also find me on my blog, castbymoonlight.blogspot.com, or on Twitter as P. And my name is Donald Dennis. I'm the Young Adult Games and Technology Librarian for the Georgetown County, South Carolina Library System, where I provide technology and gaming program. I'm also the producer of the Onboard Games podcast at onboardgames.net, and you could find me as Onboard Games on Twitter. How are you doing today, Giles? Yeah, going really well, thanks, Don. Um, everything's gone swimmingly. We had our Games Day um, that we talked about last episode. Uh, we had that a week ago as we're recording this, and um, that was a smashing success. We had uh, about 300 kids through over uh, two days. We missed out on, on the grade five and six kids at the school because they were busy um, with some other things that were happening. But um, all of the, the, the preschool, um, the, the grade prep class, the preparatory class, all the way through to grade four. So it was an age range for between sort of four years old up to about uh, 10 years old. So it was a fair age range and, um, as I said, ran over one and a half days and was an absolutely smashing success. So um, very sort of uh, light on my feet with all of that at the moment. Very happy about how that's all gone. And um, now it's in, just in the aftermath. Uh, sorting all the game boxes out, making sure that the, that the, the, they're not missing too many pieces and uh, taping up the corners where need be. Right, yeah, there's always a little bit of recovery after you've done uh, an event of any size. You know, heck, even when we move to the auditorium from the game room at the library, it's always, all right, let's see what happened before we put everything back on the shelves. So I can only imagine with an event as large as yours what you have to go through to get things back in shape. <laughs> well, we're pretty lucky. The way the way we run it with the, the games ambassadors, the kids actually doing the teaching of the games to the other kids that come in, um, the games uh, traditionally have ended up in pretty good shape afterwards. And, and I think in four years of running it, we have really only lost pieces out of one game, um, which rendered it sort of useless. But, but that's one game in four years, so uh, we're pretty happy with that. Um, this one was a was a little bit harder on everything, and uh, there are an awful lot of game boxes that need to be that need to be sort of stitched back together. But uh, aside from that, going through all of the games, I think we've come out in pretty good shape. So, yeah, just a bit of uh, the old uh, sticky tape and whatnot. You'll cringe to hear that, Don, on the game boxes. Well, no, um, we use I use uh, the library book book tape. Um, that we use in our area where we, you know, repair books and whatnot. So I think actually, uh, in the future, we should do some kind of episode on, you know, the, the care and maintenance of your gaming collection. But, uh, today I think we've got a purpose. We've got something that we, we really want to talk about, uh, which sort of follows 
on our more casual, hey, we're just having a games day event that, that we mm-hmm. talked about previously. Um, and that's uh, gaming with a curriculum or uh, embedding games into a curriculum. That was a beautiful segue there, Don. You, you, you spot on episode 14. This episode, we'd be talking about uh, gaming for a reason. You know, if, if, you, if you point out a segue, it doesn't work. <laughs> Very sorry. I'll edit that out. I'll edit it out. No, it's all right. So gaming for a reason. Look, you know, games are a fantastic a fantastic activity, and um, a lot of the learning that occurs in games is incidental. You know, anybody who has sat down for extended periods of time, you know, and played uh, chess or hearts or poker or um, any any game of, of any sort will will think back on that and, and you know I, I can certainly think of a lot of things that over the years that I've learned from um, the games that I've played but this episode we're not talking about incidental uh, sort of learning we're talking about using games picking games and um, utilizing those games with it with a reason in mind for a particular purpose with the objective of um, getting X Y or Z at the end of it so um, are there any sort of events or things that you've done, Don, in the library that relate to using games in particular ways for a reason? Right. You know, and I'm afraid we may have touched on this a little bit on previous episodes, so I'm sorry if we're recovering ground, but it's a topic I think that, that really deserves some focus on it. And I would say that just about any time we bring board games into the mix that that unless it's one of the free-for-all games days that we've done for the younger kids, that there has been some sort of purpose for, for what we're doing. And we've run programs on, like, disaster preparedness um, and response, or we've done financial games days uh, that, you know, for any kind of program that, that you can run in a library, like history or Halloween-themed or, you know, anything anything along those lines... That, that you can sort of tailor a game collection to sort of fill into those spots and 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 assist whatever else is going on in the in the library and and I wonder if you've got that same sort of experience you know at the schools yeah absolutely schools are probably um, a little bit uh, well obviously they're different from a library but um, you know a lot of what we do in a school of course you know where the object of school is to um, inculcate <laughs> kids with a particular with a particular set of curriculum um, you know the, the the education we we have educational objectives that we want to reach you know we want the children to know x y and z um, when they when they exit a particular year and so with that in mind, whenever I take games and use them in the classroom, um, I tend to um, use them in particular particular areas and, and for particular reasons to support their learning, or as um, as a foil to some some deeper meaning that that, that we might be um, you know that I might think is, is particularly relevant at the time. So yeah, certainly um, using games with a purpose throughout. You know, I think I think you know schools probably have a have a um, what I'm trying to say. I guess is schools have a much more specific sort of set of um, foci. You know, they've got their curriculum that they need to to achieve and attain. Um, and yeah, so games used to support that curriculum can be a really powerful powerful form of learning, I think. 
Right, and there are multiple kinds of ways to bring games in to support your uh, to support your game, and one, of course, is the gamification of the topic, which uh, can range anywhere from hey, we're creating flashcards um, on history so that people can you know create their own timeline and and have a competition on that because there's a game called Timeline, which is pretty much flashcards, which has a picture on one side and then a picture and a date on the other, and you're trying to figure out where it goes in history. And I, I can't think of a better tool if you're trying to teach a, a history class and you need kids to know when specific things happen because then they're trying to learn for a game. And when you're trying to learn for fun, I think that there's a much more engagement, much higher engagement than the, hey, look, I have to just go through rote memorization and and remember, you know, here's the date of uh, the Battle of Hastings or whatever it was. Yeah, and, and I mean... You know, there, there are, of course, a whole range of educational games out there. Um, and, you know, really any game sort of fits fits a purpose. It, it's really about selecting the right game for the job that, that you require. Um, you know, I'm thinking that there are a lot of games, for example, that use basic addition, multiplication, um, division. Uh, there are a range of math skills. There are a range of word games and so forth. Now, now I might sit the kids down and say, look, what I want you to do is write out, you know, 30 words or what I want you to do is do, you know, 35 um, multiplication sums. And that somehow, I, I don't, don't ask me how, isn't as engaging, isn't as interesting, isn't as fun as uh, playing a game. And, and you might do exactly the same amount of uh, spelling words, you might do exactly the same amount of uh, mathematic sums throughout playing the game, but it is a lot more engaging. Uh, and, and because the kids have got a reason for doing it, they've got an objective in doing it and playing the game, um, you know, it's, it, it runs a lot smoother, I think, and, and can be a really handy way of reinforcing a skill, uh, and at times can be a really useful way of introducing a particular concept or, or idea. Right. In fact, my son created uh, for his, his class, they had to create a very basic game. And so his was a, a math game where he took all the numbered cards and left them as they were, and then he assigned a, uh, a function to jacks, kings, and queens, you know, plus, minus, or multiply. Um, and, you know, so you would flip over two of the number cards and then slap the, uh, you know, the face card down in between them and have, and it was a race to come up with who could get the right answer. You know, so yep. it's like, wow, very simple game, but he did this on his own. I don't know if it was similar to a game that he'd seen somewhere else or what, but he used it for his class to uh, to help him uh, you know, learn some of his basic basic math skills. Well, one of the one of the things that I tend to do, or that we do at our school in any case, and I know that there are other schools in our area that do the same. At the beginning of maths uh, lessons, particularly, we tend to do um, what we call fluency tasks, where the kids um, play a short game or, or do a short activity that might be something very similar to that. Um, and the object of that is to be reinforcing a known skill. So, um, what they're doing is is really, as I said. Um, Going through it and, and reinforcing something that they that they that they should know how to do that they do know how to do, but just just building that in so that it becomes a a muscle memory, a reflexive uh, response. And there are plenty of times tables games that involve you know flipping over two cards from a from a normal deck of cards and multiplying one by the other and and so on and so forth that that 
um, that that are what those fluency tasks are, and and yeah, they can be a great way of getting the brain working. You know, getting the brain um, thinking in mathematics terms um, prior to a lesson. Yeah, you know, we only do it for five ten minutes, but it can be a really good way of keying the kids into you know th- thinking in the right style, so that that when they come down to the floor and we do our do our maths lesson, they're um, they're ready and raring to go. They've also had that little bit of time where they're reinforcing their times tables skills or their um, whatever it might be so a really it's a fantastic way of bringing that that you know what would otherwise be a, a dull and repetitive sort of activity making a little bit of a game out of it making a little bit engaging and, and enjoyable giving it a little bit of direction and purpose and it's always nice when you can take something basic like a deck of cards or just a pair of normal dice without having to spend any extra money and take you know what you might already have and create a basic game out of those pieces. However, they do have dice which are specifically math dice that are designed to to do exactly the same kind of thing that my son's the, you know the game that he used uh that that you can purchase. So you can purchase um tools or accessories to to help build through this. Absolutely, and and uh, I suppose another another key to that too, Don. We've got a bank of iPods at the school that the, the different classes uh, borrow out and use at different times, and um, you know there are plenty of flashcard apps basically where um, you know the kids can go through and 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 do addition or division or subtraction or addition. Uh, I think I've said it. I'm repeating myself here. Um, right. You know, spelling activities, all sorts of things, um, and these can be little fluency tasks the kids go through and might do it for 30 seconds or a minute and and see if they can beat their score from last time or whatever it might be and um, that can be a really engaging way of uh, doing those same sort of things. Now I've got a couple of questions for you. Is um, So it sounds like you're using a game sometimes as a warm-up, maybe as a transitional activity. All right guys, we're going to be moving from this activity to the next. Yeah. Um, if Do you also use them as a, hey, you finished your work early and you've turned it in and now you can go and play games? Or is what's a, where else are games suitably useful in the classroom? Um, look, I think that there are three um, key areas. This is, this is in my classroom in any case. These are the different ways that I've tended to use them. If I end up saying four or five, please forgive me. I, I've gotten my head three, but I may go on, as is my won't. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so small activities is certainly one. We've talked about that. Um, another um, use of games that that um, I've, I've u- that I've done in the classroom is as a activity as a part of a normal um, set of rotations. So, for example, we have um, in our literacy block. Um, we have a set of rotations. So, so some of the, the kids are split into different groups, usually um, relating to ability level, and then they have uh, particular tasks that key into those ability levels. Now, they might be particular language activities or writing activities or reading activities, um, clothes sheets, language sheets, whatever it might happen to be. Um, one of the activities that they will do over the, the period of their rotations, which is two weeks in my classroom, um, is a literacy game. And there's a set... Um, list of literacy games that they might be able to play. Um, some of the ones that um, 
I've got on the list at the moment include uh, Bananagrams, which is a Scrabble style of game, um, Once Upon a Time, which is a storytelling game, Happy Birthday Robot, which is a, another sort of happy, uh, another sort of storytelling game. These are all literacy activities where the kids are talking, they're using language, they're thinking about language, spelling words, building vocabulary, all of those things. So it, it's a break from the normal routine. They're not, they're not sitting down to do a worksheet. They're not sitting down to do a piece of writing. They're not doing a read and respond style of activity. It's a break from the normal routine. They get to do something that's lighter, that's a bit more fun. But by the same token, it's also keyed into um, that, that particular area. So it's a, it's a literacy game or it might be a numeracy game. Um, so that's one way I've used them. Um, another way that, that I've used games is to introduce a particular topic or concept. Um, you know, particularly uh, one, one particular example is with probability and uh, division. Um, both of these obviously um, numer- uh, numeracy uh, concepts. And in both these cases, I've used a game called Ink and Gold, where players are going on a, an adventure, they're gaining treasures, um, but the treasures are divided by the number of people that are still on the adventure um, you might run into disasters if you run into disasters too many of them then you lose all of the treasures you've gained so there's a real push your luck element how far do you go how how many treasures are you going to gamble that you can get before disaster falls can you get out with the maximum amount of treasures uh, without losing any right and i think actually one, one of the things i i've found <clears throat> excuse me one of the things i found mm-hmm. with ink and gold is you can tell which kids are going to be getting into more trouble in their classroom because the ones who never know when to stop pressing their luck, those tend to be the ones who get into more trouble with the, with the classroom because they never know, ooh, I have pushed my luck just far enough that uh, they're always, oh, I'm going to keep going, I'm going to go for broke. And uh, and I'm always afraid that these are the kids that are going to end up in jail. <laughs> <laughs> Probably true. Um, no, but but I mean, in probability, at the level that I teach, what what we really want the kids to be able to use is the language of probability. You know, it's it's more likely, it's less likely, um, it's most likely, it's probable, it's improbable, all that sort of stuff. And so, really, to break down the deck in ink and gold, the deck of cards, and say, look, there are fifteen treasures, there are fifteen disasters you've got a 50-50 chance. Now, the first card that you pull out is a treasure, you know, happy days. But as we go along, suddenly the probabilities start to change and we're using the language in the class. Okay, so you can see the ratio on the board of good cards to bad cards, what's likely, what's more likely, what's less likely. And it's a real, it's a, it's a really good way of introducing that language. So, you know, look, at my level, I'm not inter- in, interested in delving into the, the ratios and the, the specific probabilities but certainly as a way of introducing the language and the concept behind it, it can be a really handy tool. And the same with division. You know, you, 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 gain, you gain 15 treasures and there's five people still on the adventure. How many treasures does each one of you get? Um, you can do it by handing them out, one for you, one for you, one for you, one for you. Uh, or you can, if you know your times tables, you can be reversing your times tables and saying, well, 15, five people, that's three apiece. So, you know, you, you're moving from the concrete 
um, where you're you're handing out one at a time. You can you can do that with the actual gems all the way through to the abstract where you're asking the, the kids, well, hang on, no, what is 15 divided by 5? There are five of you there. There's 15 treasures. What What's the answer? Right, and that's, I think, that kind of real-world application of your skills. I mean, not real-world for adults, but for kids, all of a sudden the outcome matters. And, you know, if you sort of make a race out of it, you could even say, all right, Whoever gets the answer first also gets another bonus gem or something. You know, so if you really wanted to incentivize, you know, quick thought, you could do that. Or if you want to play it just by the rules, and they'll often see that, hey, look, um, I can get this answer faster than going one for you, one for you, one for you. Then division all of a sudden means something to them as opposed to, oh, my gosh, I'm being forced to go to class and learn division. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, so, you know, I think it's a – and as a, as an aside, you know, you, you sit the kids down and say, look, here, I want you to do uh, 30, 30 division sums. Uh, you know, they're likely to sit there and say, oh, oh okay, if I, if I absolutely have to and not be overly excited about it, funnily enough. Um, whereas if you sit down and say, we're going to play a game of ink and gold, they are excited and they might do 30 division sums while playing the game. But uh, because it's wrapped up in that parcel, it, it's a lot more engaging. Right. Um, and the packaging really matters. Um, I think there's, there's, two other <clears throat> there's two other topics which we should cover in the future, and one is creating games as part of an activity, um, and the other is gamifying what, what we're doing. And I don't know if you want to cover either one of those, but the gamification of a classroom um, or of activities within the library is is something that kids get pretty excited about if if they have the opportunity to to engage in those kinds of activities where all of a sudden they're being rewarded or recognized um but do you think that that's a different topic because when we've already been going for 20 minutes at this point um, yeah, no, well, you know, that that comes down to the third thing that I was going to say, that the games can can be used, I suppose, to um, as, a, as a means to, as, as you said before, to incentivise learning about a particular topic area. Um, so, you know, you might have a, an economy system in the class where the kids are earning money, they've got to spend money, um, and that might occur over a week or, or five weeks or ten weeks, um, and, and that, as you said, the gamification of the classroom, um, you know, and, and these can become extremely complex if you, if you'd like, if you like to organize those sort of things, or they can be extremely simple. Um, but that is another way of using games in the classroom that, that can be really beneficial. At my son's school, they use beans and, uh, basically the teachers spray painted a bunch of beans and um, occasionally we'll be going through the laundry and find a bunch of half-painted beans in my son's pockets. Um, but what they do is they earn these beans over the, the course of the year, and then at the end of the year, um, kids bring soda pop or uh, candy or you know other little gigas and bric-a-brac that they sell off for the you know, for beans. So it's at first it's the competition to try and get the beans which is sort of an in-class currency. And then they have a field day at the end where uh, they're kind of all competing to see who can get the most beans based on what they're selling. And, and it's a pretty interesting you know, exchange. They're learning a little bit about economy. They're learning a little bit about you know, negotiating and wheeling and dealing. And, and they're learning a, a, you know, a lot about, well, what are the kinds of things that are going to get me beans for 
good behavior in class or for doing well, uh, you know, in my studies. <laughs> that sounds good. We we did a similar thing in my class where the kids. Um, we, we just uh, created a currency for the classroom and um, the kids earned money on a weekly basis. They got their pay packet and then had to pay rent to be in the classroom every day and um, had to pay fines if they weren't doing the right thing. By the same token, they got bonuses if they happened to do the right thing and then could use that money in different ways. They could buy rewards from the reward the, the uh, reward box or they could um, buy you know time on their netbooks as free time or and diff- different things like like that and and you know the object of that while it was all you know good fun was also really to get the kids used to handling and counting money and um, all of that sort of stuff and to think about money management as well right absolutely speaking of money management Don you ran an economy based uh, program at the library do you, how does that tie into what we've been talking about that's right um and, and for some reason, I thought we'd already covered this before, but maybe not. Uh, we had uh, the FINRA, which is basically there's a an organization which gets money from people who are from large organizations, either because they're fined or they don't pay the right amount of taxes or something. And that gets redistributed, some of which gets redistributed to libraries. And so they had a grant process, and um, we were doing a financial literacy set of classes, and you know, it included teaching people how to use uh, various uh, financial management software for their home, or we had a couple of financial fitness parties where, uh, you know, they, there were banks there who were showing people how they could invest their money, and there was, uh, you know, professors from some of the universities came and would talk about economics and, you know, videos about the Great Depression you know, back in the uh, in the 30s and stuff, and it was pretty exciting. And we, because I've got the games knowledge, uh, also brought in a bunch of money-oriented games, some of which included, like, a Monopoly for the Wii. Um, there's, like, a Monopoly deal and, and a couple of other uh, games for the, for the video games. And um, one I previously mentioned with our Stop Disasters program where you're spending money to protect your towns. That's like people like that game so much and involved money and showed the kinds of things that you could use to uh, prevent damage to your houses and to, to townships that, uh, that 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 made a reappearance. And we also played other games like Settlers of Catan, which taught sort of supply and demand and bartering or acquire which is, uh, you know, teaching a little bit about stocks. I mean, it's not really a stock game, but it is sort of within within its purview. And, you know, a Medici where you're trying to corner markets on goods and, uh, you know, just a wide variety of board and card games uh, as well as video games that the kids could come in and play. And, uh, you know, we... Uh, it seemed like the adults actually sort of liked a, a little more of those fitness games. I mean, financial oriented games a little better but then we also had change counting games that was just teaching kids how to you know learn what's the difference between a quarter um and a dollar and a quarter of an hour uh because you know whenever you tell a young kid uh, it's a quarter till this time they think it's 25 minutes because a quarter is 25 cents you know and so we're we're teaching all kinds of little things about you know funny things about currency um, and uh, including how much do things cost. We had everybody do up trivia questions where um, sort of price is right sort of thing. 
and uh, we utilize that as uh, our own little game show. And you know, it's just one thing after another that you can do to support other programming at your at your institution. So, Don, from the back of that, then, then what was what was the the net outcome? Did did people, um, you know, did did the games help support the message that you were trying to uh, put across in those programs? What, was there any feedback, or, or is there any measure of how those things went? Um, the classes were all very successful. Uh, sometimes, what we'd do is we would have the board games available so that. When parents came to the classes, the kids could have something to do as sort of related but sideline thing. Um, But we also tried to do, you know, once a week over the course of the summer, you know, financial fitness game night. And and that that met with with pretty good success. It was not um, as big a success, I, I think, as our... This summer is going to be a disaster when we were doing the disaster preparedness is our main thing. Uh, But by and large, it it worked very well. I was impressed with, you know, how the kids started to get interested in, you know, particular kinds of games. And we picked up um, Masters of Commerce, which is one that came in after the fact, but where you've got a group of landlords and then a group of people who are trying to lease the building and, and make money based on on how valuable that that space actually is and i can't wait to get that one out to the group um and and get that one played so it's still ongoing that sounds fantastic and i think um you know in in the end how did you guys feel about um the use of games did you feel that it that it um supported the message that you were trying to put across you know what was the you know in the what what was the the end product? Did did you have a positive walk away with a positive feeling there, and and it's something you're going to continue to do in the future? Um, yes, actually, uh, Dwight, who's our library director, uh, Dwight McInvale, he uh, his one of his strengths is that he seeks out grants and does a good job at finding support. And it seems to be that by and large, uh, organizations are understanding that that, that games are an important part of learning and that they can help generate excitement where it might not otherwise exist. So he is always coming up to me and saying, all right, well, I'm trying to apply for this kind of grant. Do you think that there's a way that we can, you know, work games into it or work technology into it? Uh, And especially since, uh, you know, we are in a fairly economically repressed area that, uh, you know the technology stuff draws in the kids probably a little more than the games do, but then once they're once they're there, they're a little more excited. They you know the fact that there's a wider variety of stuff to do, and the games really sort of help help out. I don't know if I've answered your question or not, but that's all you're getting. <laughs> no, it sounds fantastic. I think you've answered it well. All right. Well, is there anything else, Don, that we that we need to cover with games with purpose? I mean, there's probably a, a whole range of other topics that sort of flow on from this discussion, you know, these games and socialisation, um, you know, we could talk in more depth about the gamification of, um, you know, the classroom or, or the, the library or whatever it might happen to be. Um, you know, there, there are a lot of other discussions that we could have in connection, but um, is there anything that you wanted to add in sort of uh, summation of, the, of this particular topic, of this episode? No, I think at this point... Um we need to uh, actually. I need to get to work. It's time for me to go to the library and uh, teach class. So 
Very good. All right. Well, have a great day. And uh, thank you very much for having me on the show again. I appreciate it. I'm Donald Dennis. And I'm Giles Pritchard, and this is Games in Schools and Libraries. If you've got any feedback or you'd like to uh, suggest a topic for a future episode, uh, provide criticism on uh, an episode past, or ask any questions, then feel free to do that at uh, schoolsandlibraries at gmail.com. Games in Schools and Libraries is kindly hosted by the Games for Educators website. You can find them at www g4ed.com You can subscribe to their newsletter, check out games through their game finder, and of course it's the home of the Games in Schools and Libraries podcast. Drop by and post comments on the episodes we love feedback. Games in Schools and Libraries is licensed under the Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. To view a copy of this license, visit our webpage at the Games for Educators website.